Hey, it's Jack Morrissey. Back with Team Jack. It's uh, Jack and Matt Day. Episode 384. First time ever. It's just the two of us. No, it's not. Yeah, we've never just done two. Yeah, we have. Really? This is probably our third time doing just the two of us. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? Absolutely positive. Really? We've definitely done just the two of us before. I have no memory of it. Yeah, absolutely. How jacked um, is that? Uh, team, annotate it and show them. Wow, yeah, Kathleen. Kathleen Get on that. She'll, she'll be mad at you. Go back and do the research. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Fairly. Uh, Matt texted me yesterday, do you want to make a podcast? I was like, sure. We went back and forth a little bit on what time we would do it. For the record, it is Thursday, Three, August 15 at 3.15 in the afternoon here I, I in the Hollywood Hills. 15, I gotta fix my computer, you're right. Um, and we have absolutely no idea what we're gonna talk about. I reached out to a few, uh, local friends to they're see not, whether or not they were not available really for the show, and everybody was like, no, no, fuck that dude. Sorry, my dad's calling. Let it play out. Um, it used to be the theme from Family Matters, but I had to get a new phone this week, so I switched it up. To growing pains. And my, uh, here while we're at it, because we have nothing to talk about literally, let's just generate some content. Right, okay. My <laughs> new ringtone, which I'm very happy with, is this. What is that? Seriously? Yeah. Wow. You looked confused during it. I was upset. What is it? It is, uh, the, the, by far the most popular song, probably the title song from Oliver and Company. That's Billy oh, really? Joel's Why Should I Worry? That's a dog singing to another okay. dog. Yeah. All right. Or a cat. Here's one that's relevant to something I read on your Facebook page today. Go for it. What have you done over the last two or three days? Oh, one day only. Just one day? Last night, um, I was randomly in a YouTube loop. Is this what you're talking about? I think so. I'm going to play it before you... Don't blow it. I'll play it first. Play it. This is on literally. It's on my iTunes. It's on my iPhone. (laughs) Often I'll be going up Mount Doom and Runyon Canyon, and suddenly I will. my head will be filled with this through my headphones. The views on this show are actually are not uh what is it? The producers are, are the views and pro- opinions of the producers. They're offered as a uh, alternate uh and not fact. That's the Cohen version you're hearing. What is it really? Do you know it? Uh no, but hang on, I think it's gonna come up. Is it always this? It presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. Which basically means we're making. And if you still don't know what that is, it is uh. In hang on, so- oh, I might. Oh. Is this the outro? Yeah, I have another one. Hang on. Do you have the intro and the outro? Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. It's Star Search, guys. If you if if you're too young to know what In Search of was, uh the following introduction will basically tell you. It will also ladies blow and gentlemen your mind. uh Mr. Leonard Nimoy. Lost civilizations. 
extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. In search of cameras are traveling the world seeking out these great mysteries. This program was the result of the work of scientists, researchers, and a group of highly skilled technicians. There we are. Dude, uh, I grew up on that shit. I and never... yes, they only just released the big box set within the last year. Is there I... a box set of every episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're all on YouTube. That's how you've been watching them? Every single episode of In Search of is on YouTube. Oh, my God, dude. As I don't even think that's technically pirating if it's on YouTube. No, no, no. But yeah, they have a great big box set. Uh, no, I had no idea, dude. I let, literally, I was watching some fucking alien documentary thing on YouTube and one of the recommended things that came up was like In Search of Atlantis and I was like right. I've heard of In Search of right uh cuz it's mentioned in this Nasia's D song so right. I was like I'll check it out and then <laughs> I was like ooh I'm going to watch this entire thing chronologically so right. I've been watching like every single episode oh my god in true Cohen fashion um, much like reading all the originally in Fleming they're Bond pretty good novels. they're they're not like nothing about it, they're never re- I, it's hard to describe it. Uh, I, I'm into about a, each episode is what twenty two minutes. It's a so when they originally aired, they would have been a half hour, unless they're cut down for YouTube, which is possible. Um, I'm literally pulling up the Wikipedia page as we speak. But uh, the thing about the show is, it, like, I love stuff like that. It isn't played as real as like modern day versions of that are. There's like reenactments and right. like very cheesy ones where like people will stop and look and talk to the camera right. in character. Right. Um, and Leonard Nimoy's there. It's just it's a very strange like kind of hokey '70s show. I love it. So, um, according to Wikipedia. TV series broadcast weekly from 1977 to 1982. Weekly? Weekly. Holy shit, I got Created after watch. the success of three one-hour TV documentaries produced by creator Alan Landsberg. Those docs were In Search of Ancient Astronauts in 1973, which was based on the book Chariots of the Gods, which is a total Battlestar Galactica TOS. In Search of Ancient Mysteries and the Outer Space Connection, both in 1975 later adapted into popular paperbacks written by Landsberg. All three of those featured narration by Rod Serling, who was the initial choice to host the spinoff series. But after Serling's death, Leonard Nimoy was selected to be the host. And uh, the rest is history. They did... Um, well, here's just a short... Well, the Bigfoot episode is arguably the most famous. Right. That's how I knew about it, was the Bigfoot episode of In Search Of. Um program conducted investigations into the controversial and paranormal uh, Loch Ness Monster UFOs. Additionally, it featured episodes about mysterious historical events and personalities such as Anna Anderson, Grand Duchess Anastasia, the Lincoln assassination, the Jack the Ripper murders, infamous cults, for instance, Jim Jones, and missing persons, cities, and ships. That would be Amelia Earhart, Jimmy Hoffa, D.B. Cooper, the, Mer- the Mary Celeste, the Titanic and the Lost Roanoke Colony. Um, the the music that you just heard was composed composed by Lauren M. Rinder and W. Michael Lewis, which are fucking awesome. A soundtrack album was released in 1977. Wow. Um, the show that would be Tom Spina calling me. The show also spawned at least six spinoff books, all written by Landsberg, with forewords by Nimoy, and um. 
1978, Landsberg produced a Bigfoot documentary using portions of two of the episodes. And reruns of the series aired during the early 1990s on the A&E Network. In the later 1990s, it aired on another of the A&E Network properties, the History Channel. And... Yeah, Here's the bummer of those. The it. licensing agreement expired in the early 2000s, ending the show's run. When the show aired, when the show aired on A&E, a re-recording of the original theme music was used, plus a new alternate theme. To which I say, "Fuck that!" <laughs> and um, a short-lived revival of the show, featuring Mitch Pileggi from the X Files, oh, yeah. aired on Sci-Fi Channel in 2002. I think I remember that actually. Spinner, there are literally a hundred and forty-four episodes including like as you're scrolling up I'm only, at wikipedia I'm only like 30 killer bees yeah i watched that one a call from space learning esp the episode, nazi plunder episode one is about how plants are dracula communicating to us the yeah. first episode <laughs> series one episode one is yeah. about how plants can see auras and like yeah. if someone's in pain a plant like goes through a chemical reaction Right. And that they hypothesized at the end. Like, the entire episode was just about how plants vibed off of humans, basically. Right. It, was, it wasn't that crazy. Right. Then at the end, Leonard Nimoy's like, have you ever been a w- lying in bed at night and suddenly known someone you loved about has gone through something uh, traumatic? It might just be the plants telling you. And I was like, that's a fucking jump in logic. <laughs> it could also be the plant-like <laughs> pod under your bed. Yeah, everyone's got given that he pod. was in the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers right around this period. Was he with uh with uh, wasn't he, in, Donald he was in the Donald Sutherland yeah, version, right, I think. Yeah. yeah. Philip Kaufman directed and I think nineteen seventy eight. It's the only version that I care about. Well, did you see the Abel Ferrar version? No. That's pretty fucking good, dude. Is it? Yes, that's like a must see for like the ending Matt Cohen. Of that. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, that that is one of the great sort of sci fi endings. Yeah. Um but Abel Ferrar's remake, which was just called Body Snatchers from like the early nineties with, um, Gabriel Anwar, Terry Kenny, one of the, um, I don't know who any of those people are. One of the Tilly sisters, I think Jennifer, uh, Billy Worth, dude, just trust me. For those in the, for like hardcore horror fans or whatnot, not hardcore horror fans, that's not saying it, but it's like that thing, much like Exorcist 3, has a real cult of people who appreciate that movie. There's amazing shit in that movie. That's awesome. Really, really good. Um, Body speaking, Snatchers for the win. Speaking of Abel Ferrara, kind of, he did a King Kong, right? Did I he or think no? So, no? No, who did that King? There... Carlo Rambaldi designed. Did King Abel Ferrara not direct that 80s King Kong? What, what, King Kong Lives or something? Yeah, well, anyway, I saw, I had never seen any of the other King Kongs except the original and the Peter Jackson, and a few weeks ago I caught the, um... See, this is what's great about having you as a co-host. You're, like, doing doing and watching all this stuff. Am I right about that or no? When you're not Facebooking. Uh, I'm doing it at the same time. Yeah, we're both looking up King Kong and IMDb. You would be talking about King Kong Lives in 1986? Not the one with Jessica Lang, I don't think. No, Jessica Lang was 1976. I saw that one. King Kong Lives is 1986. And I think that was like a canon film and it was directed by some guy named John Guillermo. Okay, never mind then. Yeah. Um, I saw, Linda Hamilton. I saw the Jessica Lang one for the first time. Yeah. And at one point, it, it's horrible, A. It's like 
Yeah. Unbelievably bad. I'd never seen it before. Yeah. But I, fuck, I can't remember the exact line. There's a weird rape joke in that movie. Oh, really? Where it's something He's along. He's gonna rape her literally no, with one of his fingers. No, she was like, no, it was the line delivery. I remember now. Um, she was like, "No, he's harmless. He doesn't mean any help." And the guy goes like, "Yeah, he was trying to rape you." Oh, really? Yeah. And she goes, "No, he wasn't." And he goes, "Ma'am, he was trying to rape you." <laughs> like it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. I, I died. It was on at a party, and a bunch of us watched it. Really? At my friend's house. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um. So that was that's what I got. That's what I got for the podcast. How about your friend Max Landis taking to internets over the last week, basically telling everybody what his version or vision of... I didn't even see. How's that possible? I've been busy. Um, he's shooting a movie, so I don't, like, I assumed... I also, he also tweets a lot. Well, basically came out and said, I didn't even, I didn't read it. <laughs> but as, as do I tweet a lot, uh, so does Max. So if I'm not online the same time he is, right. his feed will just get washed out. Well, he's, he's, not having anything to do with Chronicle 2, apparently. I know that, yeah. And That's so he announced. basically came out and said... And told the plot of the movie. Yes. I saw murder. His yeah. version of Chronicle 2 would be thus, which people will, audiences will never see now. Because Chronicle is, you know, a wholly owned brand of News Corp, 20th Century Fox Film Corporation, and they will now be taking over creative affairs and oh, developing. Oh, two, two will get greenlit so quickly now. Now that, now that, well, now that they're just basically like, we, okay, we don't want a cool original movie. We just want sequel. Right. That's fucking easy to write, I'm sure. Right. It's easy to write a predictable, boring sequel. Well, and they have the director of the original, Josh Trank, off on their Fantastic Four reboot. So Since it, Chronicle came out a year and a half ago. Is that it? Chronicle, yeah. Only nine, Chronicle only a year and a half Chronicle ago? Man, Chronicle came out in uh, February, I believe, huh. of 2012. Wow, okay. Um. So the upshot is, though, you'll have no one from the original movie involved with the sequel, potentially. Uh, in except terms for what that lead actor. In terms of creative team, no, they'll, they'll, there's no way they'll do that movie without Dane DeHaan, especially after he's done Spider-Man. They'll think of ways to bring those characters back. Really? That's what they, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know, I don't know any inside knowledge on this, right. but I'm assuming that's what the studio wants. Right. Is right. those kids back somehow. Right. All three of them. You know what I mean? Right. Who are the other two kids? Uh, that's the funny thing. It's Dave the names. And, uh, and no, uh, I know, I know the, uh, uh, the black kid's great. He was from Friday Night Lights and he was just in something else. Uh, the guy who they were talking about to play Johnny Storm. I can't, Brandon something. I can't remember his name right now. Right. Okay. Um, and the other dude, I don't know. Right. But no, that other guy is, is a good actor. And they were talking about him playing Johnny Storm in Trank's Fantastic Four. Right. And that's when that whole internet thing. For the uninitiated, that would be the Human Torch character. And there was a great hue and cry over the idea that an African American, Michael B. Jordan, is this the guy from Michael Fruit, B. Jordan. Fruit, Fruitvale Station? I believe so. Oh, wow. Could be wrong, but, uh, no, he's a great actor. Hang on just one second. Yeah, he's in Fruitvale Station. I'll give you a little something, something. Go for it. Bad news for Marlon Wayans. What? Um, so between Dream Girls and Breaking Dawn, Bill. Oh, wrote, is this about that? For yes. a minute, I thought you were going to tell me about like scary movie six. I was like, I don't give a fuck. No. Oh no, this is okay. Yeah, between Dream Girls and Breaking Dawn, Bill spent a year plus of his life, um, exhaustively researching and then crafting a screenplay uh, really Richard good, Pryor's really life. Really good screenplay, too. Yeah, a great, 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 dark, 
accurate, like literally 98% accurate screenplay. Uh, the working title was Richard Pryor's. It's something I said. And, um, for Harvey Weinstein. And when he delivered that script to Harvey, Harvey's reaction was, Basically, oh, this isn't what I thought I was going to get. This isn't Finding Neverland. This isn't Dream Girls. This isn't like a fun, poppy, breezy look at, you know. Yeah, because Richard Pryor was so fun and poppy and breezy. Well, I think Harvey's, you know, again, this is from the guy who yeah. may, who, who, who's, how do I, how do I phrase this? And I'm not being political. I'm just trying to literally get the information into a good sentence. This is the guy who hired writer-director Mark Christopher to write and direct a movie about Studio 54, and then through the process, out the other end, comes a movie titled 54, starring Ryan Phillippe, Nev Campbell, and Mike, Mike Myers, Myers as Steve Rubell, that is basically all but degade, which is hysterical, given the subject matter. And so I think, again, what Harvey wanted from his Richard Pryor movie was a movie that would push all these nostalgia buttons for Richard Pryor amongst white audiences, I think, frankly, um, and that would not get too, too dark, you know? So anyway, Harvey said, um, I can actually, uh, like, vamp, and it'll be good to get all this on the record in advance of what's of the end of this story, yeah, of what I'm going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. So Harvey was like, you know, I don't want to make it, but feel feel free to take it someplace else, right? So Bill initially took it to Paramount, where he had made Dreamgirls with DreamWorks, and Eddie Murphy was going to play Richard Pryor until Eddie Murphy had a falling out with Brad Gray. And then the project spun away from Paramount, was briefly at Fox Searchlight, where Bill had made Kinsey. And there was a flirtation with Jamie Foxx playing Richard Pryor before finally landing with Adam Sandler's production company at Sony Pictures, Happy Madison, uh, which at the time, I'm not sure whether this is still the case, but at the time had a put picture deal, an annual put picture deal at Sony, which again, for the uninitiated, means that basically Amy Pascal, who ran Sony, was so happy to be in a year after year after year business relationship with Adam Sandler there that amongst all the things the studio offered him, including paying for the overhead for his production company, was a put picture, which means up to a certain budget level, which in this specific case was $20 million. He and his executive could bring in any movie that cost 20 or less, and Sony had to greenlight it. And that's how he got Grandma's Boy. Is that true? Of course. That was a put picture? Well, it was one of all those Happy Madison movies. The fucking Adam, the Rob Schneider one, Big Stan or whatever it was called that never okay. came out. There was a slew, there were like four Happy Madison movies starring his cronies. Right. That came out in that, in that time span. Interesting. Okay. So well, I would assume that those are them. That those were all be put pictures. I think he only had one a year. Otherwise, right. how is an Alan Covert movie getting Right. Uh, greenlit. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Right. So. I think that's that guy's name, right? Yeah, from Grandma's Boy. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they, um, 
They arrive at Sony. They arrive at Happy Madison. Adam Sandler is all about producing the Richard Pryor biopic. And Marlon Wayans has sort of been circling and making his presence known through his, his representation team to Bill over, over this entire process. And Bill finally meets with him and it's kind of love at first sight. It's like, wow, this guy is amazing. I think Marlon did a little prior right over the table as they were meeting and Bill was blown away. Um, they, I think, I can't remember who paid for it. It may have been Sony and or Happy Madison, but they did a one day screen test, uh, with Marlon where Marlon did two, maybe three scenes from the screenplay directed by Bill on camera. Um, or actual scenes. I think one, one or two of them were actual prior stand-ups and another was a straight, straight dramatic scene with his shrink. Okay. Right. So, um, everyone who has seen that screen test has been rocked back on their heels by how unbelievably great Marlon was as Richard in one day with, you know, a wig, period costume, you know, a two camera setup basically. And, um, and everybody was just automatically in agreement <coughs> having seen the, the DVDR of the screen test that Marlon Wayans was, was the right guy. And a lot of people saying after they'd seen it, um, including friends of ours who are sort of, you know, Academy Award prognosticators and so forth, um, immediate, if, very, very consistently, the first thing that everybody would say, having seen it, was, wow, Eddie Murphy couldn't do any of that. Eddie Murphy, at this point, could not do any of what we just saw Marlon Wayans do. Um, so anyway, it... Eddie Murphy's never been in a drama, has he? Except well, I mean, Eddie, a lot of people feel like Eddie Murphy's last great performance was his James Thunder early in Dreamgirls, Dreamgirls with I mean, Bill, with ha- and for Bill. Has he ever led a drama? Not for many, many years, I don't think. I can't even think if of one all. if he has, yeah. Yeah. Is, isn't the golden child a drama? No. Just kidding. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Um, what's it? Someone brought this up the other day and I couldn't tell them. What's the name of the Keanu Reeves one? The Buddha one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Little Buddha. That's what it's called? Yeah. Where it's like a half documentary, half fake Little Buddha, yeah. Okay. I think it's like Bernardo Bertolucci. Yeah, yeah. Made that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then some shit went down with the widow prior who out of all the prior wives is the one who is left with the estate. The blonde, which wife? Jennifer. Okay. Um, she controls and administers the estate. And the issue here is that part of Bill's screenplay was based in part on information contained in Richard's biography and also Jennifer's memoir, um, both of which were owned by Harvey Weinstein at the time because he was in business with her. And... Um, she had a big old public falling out over, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So Adam Sandler decides that it might be a good idea for there to be an actual African-American involved with the production of this movie, uh, given that Mr. Condon, Sandler, et cetera, are not. And, uh, Asked Bill if Bill would be interested in attaching Chris Rock as, or no, is it Chris Rock? It's been so long, I'm literally trying to think, is it, 
as an executive producer. If it's producer. Sandler, I would assume so. As an executive producer. I think it was. So, um, so Sandler attaches him as, as a producer. And anyway, he goes on Leno and tells a fairly innocuous joke on broadcast television on a network about, um, pit bulls. This is the day that Michael Vicks is released from prison for his, uh, Pitbull abuse conviction, right? Rock goes on Leno, tells a fairly innocuous joke about Michael Vicks and Pitbulls, and Jennifer Pryor, who runs a pit rescue out here in the San Fernando Valley, goes fucking nuclear, nuclear, and takes to the internet immediately and start, starts posting comments all over the place, basically saying, as long as I have anything to do with it, any movie made about Richard Pryor, Chris Rock will not have anything to do with that movie. And a lot of people misreport, picked it up and misreported it as, ooh, I guess Chris Rock isn't going to be playing Richard Pryor anymore. And when in fact Chris Rock was never going to be playing Richard Pryor, he was merely attached as a producer. Um, there was a lot of sort of, you know, let's just say a lot of telephone calls and would Chris Rock apologize to Jennifer Pryor? Would Chris Rock maybe write a check for her pit rescue? And basically, Chris Rock's feeling was, I'm a comedian like your late husband, who became a legend saying things that nobody else would say. Um, no, I will not retract. And basically, it all went, it all turned to dust around that issue. Wow. One joke. Uh, yeah. One fairly innocuous joke, which you can find on YouTube by Chris Rock made on Jay Leno's uh, chat show. You know, that's crazy. So it all came to dust around that. And, uh, then came salmon fishing in the Yemen, which we've discussed on previous episodes. And finally, then came, uh, both parts of Breaking Dawn. Anyway, um, I don't want to completely blow it here on the podcast just because I'm a little superstitious. I mean, who knows who listens to these things? And, but, um, Let's just say that that project has revived itself and that there may be an announcement forthcoming that will involve Bill Condon's screenplay, albeit with a happy ending that will be grafted onto it that he did not and will not write. The picture will not be directed by him, but may be directed by an African-American director. Fair enough. Um, who has a movie in theaters right now. Can I blow it? And so, it may star someone who we were just talking about playing Richard, uh, five minutes ago. Ladies and gentlemen, in 2015, Lee Daniels, Richard Pryor. Starring? Starring Jamie Foxx. No, no, no. Eddie Murphy? No. Merlin Waynes? No. Chris Rock? No. A white person? Who else did we name? Well, how did this whole thing start? Marlon Wayans. No. Now I'm We're talking about your friend. Oh. Oh. With that kid? Yeah. Playing Richard Pryor? The kid from Chronicle? Uh, We'll see. I don't like any of this. Well, just saying. 
I don't like a happy ending grafted onto an amazing, amazing, but, amazing, but the, 98% accurate Michael Bill Condon script. While Michael B. Jordan is a fantastic actor, he's also like fucking younger than me. Richard Pryor wasn't that interesting when he was like 23 years old, 24. Well, I can't speak to that. Although Bill probably could. He knows everything. But like, wouldn't, I, I mean, I don't know. That just seems like the, he wasn't even, he was way older than that on all of those stand-up specials. Mm, I'll, I presume you're correct. I think so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I know he started stand up young, but all the, the And it's been a long time since I read Bill's script and obviously all this business is years old, but Bill did be, run into is it, is it Harvey be, Weinstein. Is it going to be called Lee Daniels Richard Pryor that well, be the I wonder, right? fucking thing of all time? I don't think Jennifer Pryor would sign off on that exact title, uh. but and I believe that she is still involved with Harvey. I think Harvey has reacquired the underlying rights to both those books. And welcome to showbiz. Bill's take on all of this, by the way, is, um, well, here's Bill. He was a little surprised to hear it from Harvey Harvey at the Covent Garden Hotel in London. Yeah. Um, but Bill's take on all of it is surprisingly sort of, um, uh, Sanguine, is that the right word? I always fuck that up. It's basically like, it's like, you know what, I th- I feel like my time with that project is probably past. He's really very, um, chill about it, you know? So, it'll be strange. interesting. It will be very, very interesting as it has not, you have to go back many, 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 many years to, to, um, think of an example of a Bill Condon screenplay not directed by Bill Condon. Have there been, so that'll have be there weird. Been? Um, you know, after Gods and Monsters, Bill was sort of, while well, he was waiting for, uh, I think, man, was it, was Kinsey already in the works? And he, uh, took a script doctoring job on a new version of The Devil and Daniel Webster. That was to co-star, that did co-star and was directed by Alec Baldwin. What was it called? Well, they came up with a different title because obviously they, they decided like late in the game, even though, even as they produced it under that title as that, I mean, it's just literally a live action version of, or, you know, obviously live action, but it's just a, yeah, modern version of Devil and Daniel Webster, um, they, oh, wasn't it like the, 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 I know what you're talking about. It had about. some absurd title when they finally like released that, it in right? two theaters. The Devil and Mrs. Something? No, hang on. I'm just looking up Bill's writing credits. Here we go. And, uh, so just to set the timeline, Gods and Monsters is in 1998. He wins the Oscar in 1999. Chicago is in 2002, for which he wrote the script. And then in 2003, after some delays, because this, uh, the writing on this was actually done, I think kind of 1999-2000, the uh, long-awaited and subsequently completely ignored movie uh, comes out, which is titled Shortcut to Happiness. Why is that? I don't know. Um, is it good? I've never watched it. Daniel Webster is played by Anthony Hopkins. Alec Baldwin plays a character named Jabez Stone. And the devil is, wait for it, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yikes. Wow. Yeah, I never watched it. 
Pete Dexter also has a screen story credit and a shared screenplay credit with Bill I almost, and Bill's friend Nancy Cassaro, who I, created Tony and Tina's Wedding. I almost want to see a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Well, uh, it's called Shortcut to uh, Happiness, and we, you can. We were, me and my friend were talking about WWE produced movies because they're 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 they've been doing a lot, and uh, I was looking at the list on IMDb, and I was like. Wait a minute. There's a movie, there's a movie with Triple H, who is a wrestler. Okay. I was like, there's a movie with Triple H, Michael Rappaport, and Parker Posey, and Bruce Dern. So we, we watched Just it. Just on that alone. It was like Parker Posey, and yeah. Michael Rappaport, and Bruce yeah. Dern, and a wrestler. It was unwatchably yeah. bad. Right. But I, I watched it. Right. Just on that alone. That oddball pairing, if you will. Wow. Of- Michael Rappaport is the guy that we've talked about every so often as not being a, not being a great person with women. Correct? I don't know. Have we discussed that? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I've never heard that. I think our mutual friend put something in my ear about that. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. Hide your, like, lock your windows and doors because they're raping everybody out here. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh-oh. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know anything about that. I like this tribe called the Quest documentary. Well, as as soon as we uh, wrap this podcast, I will, <laughs> I will, I will give you the and then, and then what I will, I've been it, told. And then I will yeah. talk about it on Bagged and Boarded. Yeah. Because I don't give a fuck. Um... What else, dude? No, honestly, uh, I haven't seen any movies. Me neither. I'm just terrible to, about it. Actually, that's before. not true. I saw Europa Report. How was that? I don't know what that It is. was okay. It was sort of in the vein of, did you ever see that movie Monsters, directed yeah, by the guy who is now directing the Godzilla reboot? Uh, did Gareth Edwards do Monsters? Yes, he did. I yeah. Think... Okay, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I did not like Monsters at all. Did you see Monsters in home video, or did you per- perchance see it at the Lemley Sunset 5 while that business was still open? I saw it. Because that's where on, Eric Odom and I saw it. I saw it on home video, and I was very, very, very upset with the film. And I can tell you why. Okay. Did you like it? I was sort of neither here neither here nor there with it. Mezzo, mezzo. Um, I, I, I had not seen any coming attractions for it. One person was like, go see it. It's amazing. Uh, it was also these... It wasn't the same year, but it was the year after Rare Exports and That's right, the two. Troll Hunter came out. I think Troll Hunter is a little more recently because Phil Tippett was freaking out about Troll Hunter when Bill was working with him on Breaking Dawn. Okay. Um, so, so Troll that, Hunter is only like two years old. But so is Rare Exports. Well, let's just look that up. You just keep talking. I think it's 2010. But anyway, okay. th- it it's was important the, to get these things right for Kathleen Burns. It was the Burns year Warren. of like uh, found footage monster movies and weird, like foreign things. So I didn't know what it was. I went to go see it, and like spoiler alert, it's just two fucking people. It's like Jerry. Yeah. It's the movie Jerry. There's no fucking monsters in it. I well, there are. That's not true. There are monsters in that. Uh, there are monsters and monsters. Really? By the way, both monsters and Troll Hunter. I was right. I was right. 2010. Rare You're Ex- so right. It was the year yeah. of found footage monster movies. Uh, and let's just look up Rare Exports. It wasn't found footage. Rare Exports. 2010. 2010. What's yeah. up, Matt Cohen? I know my shit. Because um, I saw Rare Exports and Troll Hunter at the Lemley. Troll Hunter I never bothered with, despite Phil Tippett's glowing recommendation. It's really fun. It's- look up Phil Tippett. A legend, a legend. Um, but how was... Rare Exports. Or what was your take on Rare Exports? Because I like that pretty... I like it. It falls apart in the last. Yeah, 10, I, I like it enough. I like the short. It's based on way better. Okay. Um, but I like rare exports. I actually like Troll Hunter more than rare exports. Okay. Troll Hunter is really, really well done. Um, but monsters just fucking pissed me off because I just waited for something. I was like, by the time I looked at my how much playtime was left, and there was like ten minutes left, and I hadn't seen anything go down. Right. I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> 
And did you do the uh, Godzilla experience down at Comic Con? That legendary setup. I did. Did you? Uh, no, but I watched the. Uh, oh, was there footage? Yeah, there, there is bootleg? video footage. There's oh. bootleg oh, video yeah, footage right. of the whole thing. Um, I loved it. I think I loved it right. way more than anyone else in my group loved it. Okay. I was super fucking excited about the whole thing. Okay. Um, and I think Godzilla looks really cool. I'm excited for that movie in a big way. Um, I'm a, I would say that I'm interested in that movie. I don't know that I can. I think I can only get it up for a big, a big budget reboot once in life. So did you get it up for the? I got it up for Roland and, and did Dean. Did you like it? Um, no, because of you know everybody wants to talk. Well, in our lives, obviously, everybody loves talking about all all aspects and facets of movies all the time. But really, when you do get down to it, kids, over and over and over again, no matter what the budget or the genre or the studio, or any of this shit, it does come down to what is on the fucking page. The old saying, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. How is the script? Who's directing? Or as Jennifer Hudson says, directing. And who's fucking starring in it? And my my feeling on Godzilla is the same as on a lot of Roland Emmerich's oeuvre, which is... Few people still do the big Spielbergian image as well as Roland Emmerich does. And so if you just isolate and look at the sequence where Godzilla comes ashore in Manhattan, it's pretty fucking amazing. And I do think it holds up. But the issue there is um, the script as regards the characters, the words that come out of the characters' mouths, and then the direction of the actor's playing those characters. So for instance, Michael Lerner playing Mayor Ebert. In what movie is in this? In Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Do you remember the character names? Well, it's Michael Lerner. He's a significant character I don't know actor, who but Lerner and he's is. playing Roger Ebert okay. as the mayor of Manhattan. Right on. He looks like Roger Ebert. His last name is Ebert. Oh, this, this is like General guy? Kale and Willow, what who was you- named after Pauline Kale, the legendary film critic who had savaged, I think, Star Wars. So George Lucas got back at her by naming the the skull helmeted villain in Willow after her, or or the two headed penis monster that at the I, end of Willow, the Eber Sisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the name of a podcast. Yeah, so it's like, um, I thought Matthew Broderick, you know, was wasn't anything special in that. It's just it's not. But and you when, know the Godzilla have, design. Yeah. When have you found Matthew Broderick special? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Other than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, War Games. You want to keep going? Yeah. Lady Hawk. I've never seen Lady Hawk. But want to keep, keep going? going? Yeah. Project X, the chimpanzee movie. I thought you meant the new one. I never saw that. No. That's, um, a, good, that's a good movie. Uh, so all when he was like 19 years old. Yeah. Okay. It's just, been just a while. To clarify. It's been a while. But then again, yeah, you know, good. unless I happen to be in Manhattan at the same time as Bill Condon, I don't go see a lot of Broadway. So I've missed most of... Broderick's, what he's been doing, you for know, the last... cultural contributions for the last ten years or so. Yeah, right yeah. Um, I will say this: while we're just because, what else are we going to talk about? That fucking Ferris Bueller commercial know, for, is a Shonda and a plague on the land. Yeah, it's it's well, it's no horrible. It, it's bad, but it's no worse. Horrible. It's no worse than the fucking. DirecTV, was it DirecTV where they were having, where they did Poltergeist? Or they did Star Trek with Shatner? The worst. In the Maroon again? The worst was they did fucking David Spade with Chris Farley. Yeah. They did Tommy Boy. And I was like, you're literally like, 
fat dead man dancing while yeah. you look like strung out on coke. Yeah. Like it was, it was it's awful. Bad news bears. It was awful. Uh, but here's my thing, dude. You know, and this is, this is, um, this is probably not a nice thing to say and it doesn't speak well of me necessarily, but look. I love it. This is podcasting. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, it's the dangerous. My role. thing is, and I know it has to be enormously complicated and problematic for people who live on the receiving end of celebrity and a moment or an extended period of fame. I can't imagine what it's like to be in Rob Lowe's shoes, who's been a star of sorts since literally 1980. What? I can't imagine what it's like to uh, be Kristen Stewart or Rob Pattinson, who are in their 20s and having to deal with this level of scrutiny. But here's the thing. This is a, this is a nasty bitchy thing for me to say as an audience member, first and foremost, since I was a kid. If you get famous playing a character or two, whether that character is young blood in the, in the hockey movie of the same title starring Rob Lowe or Rob Pattinson playing Edward Cullen or Daniel Radcliffe playing Harry Potter or Matthew Broderick playing Ferris Bueller, you know what I don't want to see is when you're approaching 50, clean yourself up, clean your shit up, because I don't want to see you 50 pounds overweight. I don't want to see you with, you know, a bad haircut. What are some examples of offenders of this? I think I just, I just... Let me reiterate, reiterate okay. how terrible that Ferris Bueller commercial is. All right, fair enough. I don't want to be reminded because you know what? Ferris Bueller doesn't need to look like that at this stage in the game. Well, that's, and I mean, this is just depression. While we're saying dicky things, I'm, aren't you kind of scared? I don't want to see Rob Pattinson 50 pounds overweight. Aren't you? Mark Hamill? I was just going to say, not Hamill, but. Princess Leia is going to look a little different than the last time we saw her. Uh, you, you know, again, what are they going to do for those movies? For the like, Harrison Ford could play fucking Han Solo today. That's fine. He doesn't look that old. But still, it's like you know what? If you want to, if you want to take the money, because if you're lucky enough to work in this business, it pays well, right? Unless you're working for certain people or certain companies, you know. But typically, if you're working in movies, it pays well. There's a certain responsibility that comes with that, with the cashing of that check. Part of it is showing up on the red carpet with a smile on your face and talk to fans, talk to entertainment journalists. Another part of it is lose the fucking weight. You know what I mean? I don't know, dude. I mean, I, those, again, I think we've discussed this on a previous episode of the podcast as well, but those photographs that that were published of Mark Hamill literally fishing half-smoked cigarette butts out of an ashtray outside a sound recording studio in Malibu. We did not talk about this in the have podcast. Have you seen those photographs? I have. The day and then he, then he dry, goes to the fast food restaurant, comes out with a big sack of fat, sits in his car, empties the sack. He's a voice actor now. He can do that. Pushes the sack and all of the contents out his window into the park, onto the parking lot ground and drives off. And it's just, it's not a good look, you know? No it's shit. really not a good look. No shit. But I don't think Mark Hamill's concerned with this fucking look anymore. He's going to be on camera. Yeah. You don't think? Uh, 
I think they're all going to be on camera, dude. Do you think Carrie Fisher's going to be on camera? Carrie Fisher has said to somebody that they've got, they're, they're sending a personal trainer over to her house every day. Oh, really? Yep. Is she going to try to lose like 100 pounds? And it can be done. Okay. And you enough. know what? If you're going to get $10 fair million enough, dollars or whatever her. you're going to get, because all, all three of those actors. You think they're going to have big roles in the movies? I think they're going to get huge checks. I think they'll have huge and checks. And part but- of the responsibility, if you're going to cash that check, that is in the millions, not the hundreds of thousands, which is itself a lot of money. If you're going to cash a check for millions of dollars to show up, lose the fucking weight. But they're not in those movies for more than 10 minutes, are they? doesn't matter. I guess you're right. Uh, how did you like, and I don't want to, this is many- you're heard. Did you read, by the way, while we're on the subject, did you read the internet rumors yesterday about how uh, Darth Sidious, Chancellor Palpatine, the Emperor- might be returning to episode seven. Ian McDermott or the character? Ian McDermott, yeah. Is Ian McDermott alive? As the character, yes, both of them. Yeah, Ian McDermott is still alive and well, thank you very oh. much. How does that make any sense? Not well, him being alive, but... <laughs> Kelvin Chavez at Latino Review, I think, you know, put it up and everybody picked it up. So That's- it doesn't mean anything necessarily, but it's just interesting that they're also thinking of, in addition to bringing Luke, Leia, and Han back, oh, by the way, we're going to need the Emperor back too. Last scene going down into the reactor core of Death Star 2 in Return of the Jedi in 1983. And dying, presumably. Presumably, although now... But, but uh, you even know. all like the... So, oh, that's interesting. So these new films will be non-canonical with the extended universe novels, huh? Yeah. They will have to be. I think that's true. Like Luke and Leia and Han will be doing different shit than they did in the books. I think that's true, yeah. People are going to get mad. People are going to get mad no matter what, and I'm probably going to be first in line of people getting mad. Speaking so. of big paychecks, uh, did you uh, see Sylvester Stallone putting fucking John McClane on blast on Twitter? Yeah, well, y- your boy Kevin Smith has has his own long list of Willis grievances is, that he's aired publicly against Bruce John McClane. Said three like fucking pretty awesome things in like the last month almost the first one was that interview for red 2 did you see it no with him and uh mary louise parker uh being interviewed in london i believe by a like perky ginger british journalist who's trying way too hard okay um and yahoo was like i saw it on some goofy fucking source okay they were like look how uncomfortable bruce willis looks at this horrible interviewer's questions and right. i was like the interviewer is not horrible. That's Bruce Willis. Right. And he's just being a, a fucking, dick. He's just being a dick. In the Again, a- after watch, cashing a check, you need to watch the interview. Um, he, first off, he's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember all the stuff he says. It's just a lot of like, no, that's not true. Or you have like, one more answers. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. And then he goes, make fun. He goes, you're very good at your job. Wow. Keep, keep doing it. Come on. No, no, no. Give me some more of your great questions. Like, wow. And Mary Louise Parker. Is being not a nice person either in the interview. Really? Kind of get it. She almost comes off worse than Bruce Willis. Wow. So you should definitely watch that if you can. Um, and then he had the, um, uh, Stallone Expendables drama where apparently he wanted a million dollars a day and Stallone said no. Okay. You know about that, right? That's the exact yeah. reason it came out that he wanted yeah. a million a day. It's insane. Uh, which is crazy, but they probably no, don't, clearly they, didn't want to take the job. Well, they clearly only needed him for like two days. Oh, I so see. His, that's what it is. Yeah. Because yeah, they replaced yeah. him with Harrison Ford. And how many days on Expendables 3 is Harrison Ford doing, let alone Yikes. on any fucking movie at this point? Yikes. But he must need some... Who... Oh, man. 
Someone told me something about Harrison Ford recently, and I can't remember, but basically it was along the lines of like, shit, I don't know. Um, You know what? Maybe I shouldn't even tell it. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. But it has to do with Harrison Ford being a pothead, and it's really funny. Okay. And, and that's, in my mind, like, Harrison Ford has done, like, five movies in the last year and hadn't done a movie in, like, ten years. So, obviously, he's either having some money problems or, or feeling irrelevant. I don't know. What do you think on that? I think he just doesn't give a fuck. Why did he stop me? Why did he stop for, like, ten years, then? If not more, What Dreams May Come was, like, 2002. And then he did a couple, he did that stupid Hollywood homicide thing. What Dreams was, May Come, he's not in not, What Dreams excuse May me, Come. Not What Dreams May Come, um, What Lies Beneath. Yeah, What Lies Beneath was a hit. It was a huge hit, but that was like one of his last, that's the last hit. Yeah, and then I guess he just walked away and he probably, God knows what his, what his burn rate is financially. He probably just spent a metric fuck ton and now he needs money. Are you happy about the return of Harrison Ford? I, for me, Harrison Ford, long ago, sort of, it's like I don't... You don't give a shit anymore. It's certainly not going to motivate me to go see a movie, no. I agree. What about Schwarzenegger? I couldn't give two fucks. No, I... He's been the governor. Who cares? I still, I like the... I like the... You have uh, a soft spot? I like the Schwarzenegger comeback. I've seen everyone. I'll see everyone. Right. Is he or is he not going to be in the new Terminator reboot? Uh, I don't know. He might be in the machine. Like he, yeah. It, it's pretty easy to play to do that. Yeah. In terms of, and they'd be dumb not to, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. But again, like as we were talking about before we started recording, it's like, you know, are we going to be asking each other the same question ten years from now if we're both still on this earth and we both still know each other? And the reboot is Schwarzenegger going to be in that Terminator reboot? It's like how many reboots? How many yeah. times? Can you get it up for these questions of is he or isn't he or are they or aren't they going to bring Darth City? It's like it's just corporate product. And that's honestly why even though it's the most corporate of product, it's Disney and Marvel. The thing I'm really kind of most excited about now is this Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It does seem to be building ahead of steam, Holy doesn't shit. it? Holy shit. Like everything they do seem is, is awesome. Unbelievably well received. Yeah. Well, the casting is incredible. The stuff that leaked online, like Rocket Raccoon firing the machine gun. Yeah, I know. That the, was a great gif. The best thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, with his with his little Nasher's beard. Yeah, dude, and like, Vin <laughs> Diesel's gonna be Groot now. Like yeah. as soon as they announce whatever genius casting call they have for Rocket Raccoon, it's gonna be amazing. Right. Like everything about that movie seems poised to be like the best superhero movie right. ever now. Right. It's all characters no one knows. It's not like directed by James Gunn, who a Saint Louisan who directed Slither, Slither and Super, and uh, wrote Dawn of the Dead and Scooby Doo. Wrote the Dawn of the Dead reboot that Zack Snyder directed. And the Scooby-Doo right. movies. Right. And, right. uh, he's only, he's only directed two films? Has it just been Super and Slither? I don't know. I'll look him up. I think so. I'm not, I like his stuff. I like his writing stuff more than I do his directing style. Cause right. He's, he's kind of, he comes from the, oh, excuse me. He wrote Romeo, uh, Tromeo and Juliet. That's how he got to start. Wow, crazy. And because he came from the trauma school, he's into a little more tentacle shit than I care for. Right. So, um, we'll see though, man. I think, I think it's interesting to give him. Dude, as a director, he's got, he has 12 directing credits. Yeah, but what are, they're a good web series and shit. Yes, uncredited on Tromeo and Juliet, by the way. Okay. And then yes, the Tromaville Cafe TV series, they're whatever. All, they're all web series and TV. There's a short, there's a Sergeant Kabuki Man PSA short. There was the porn. Trauma's Edge TV, yes. 
Slither is the feature debut. Not Slither. Uh, Slither. Yeah, excuse me, Slither, yeah. I thought you meant yeah. Sliver for Slither. a second. Two th- in 2006. Sliver was Stallone and, and, uh, what's it? It's a universal right? release, I think. Okay. It was basically the shit weasels from Dreamcatcher getting their own movie. No, which was James Gunn's movie. Slugs. Yeah, Slither. Slither. Sliver was the one with Stallone and... Yeah, no, Slither. No, I know, but I'm, I'm just c- clarifying. Is yeah. Sliver the movie with Stallone and... No. Uh, Slither stars, uh, like Nathan Fillion, no, Elizabeth not Banks. not James Gunn's movie, dude. What is oh, it? I'm not going off. Let's stay on okay, let's track. Stay on, stay on target. All right. Sparky and Michaela for TV. Web series. Humanzy for TV. They're not PG TV. porn on TV, they're including the episodes Genital Hospital. But they're not on TV. High Poon. They're not on TV. Squeal Happy Horse. These things are all web series. Okay. And then, yes, Super. And that's it. And then Movie 43, that thing. He was directed a thing. That was this year. Now that we're off of that, first off, I can't, I can't remember the name of the lady from Basic Instinct. Sharon oh, Stone. That's... Sharon Stone, Sylvester Stallone. What is the name of that movie? Yeah, that's like Sliver. Sliver, with, with yeah. With Billy Baldwin. Yeah, and like an apartment building and like they're watching Correct. people in the showers. Okay. Correct, which is directed sure. by Philip Noyce, the I Australian. Sure I wasn't losing my shit here. Yeah. Um, Stallone no. is not in there, by the way. Tom Berenger is. Though. Oh, wow. Uh, someone, Written by Joe Esterhouse. Someone made a tweet yesterday. They were like, what's that, DC? You think America will be confused by a Wonder yeah, Woman I love movie? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Marvel that's says, hilarious. here's a raccoon with a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel's yeah. doing everything right. Marvel is doing everything right. I. It sounds like they're not too nice to work for. Probably not, but, but who cares? they know how to position and market their shit. They're also going to... This is my other... A friend of mine had this theory. They're just going to wait till all those license deals... Marvel made a shit ton of license deals in the 90s because they were going bankrupt. With, but I think a lot of these license deals, like, for instance, X-Men over at 20th Century Fox... As long as Fox continues making X-Men movies every two or three they years. They won't lapse, they won't lapse on their own accord ever. I don't, a lot of those deals, it's the, the only reason they lapse is if they, if something languishes and goes unmade for a set period of time. For instance, Daredevil. the only reason Roger Corman made that oh, legendary, ill-fated Fantastic Four movie were, was that the rights were about to lapse. Well, and Marvel got back Daredevil. Or this year from Hellraiser, it's the exact same situation with the Weinstein's. Was that they keep shitting out these straight to video Hellraiser installments, further denigrating whatever brand value that that title has, because if they do not do so, the rights will uh, revert. Is that the same with the theme parks? No, probably not. So, like, when Universal loses the rights to all those characters, Disney will open up a fucking Marvel theme park. I don't think there's any doubt of that. Because they don't have Iron Man, and Disney's apparently putting Iron an Iron Man thing into Tomorrowland, is the rumor. Right, yeah. And I think, you know, again, it might take 10 years, it might take 30 years, but... Eventually, um, Disney... All Marvel, will come all Star Disney. Wars, obviously, you know. And again, you do have to give props to the vision of the administrations who are running Disney when they, for instance, did the deals with... Lucas and Spielberg and for you can't forget Pixar Star dude. Tours or the Indiana I mean, Jones yeah, ride. Yeah, Pixar. Those three, those three companies alone that Disney owns now. Pixar, yeah, I mean, Star Disney Wars, Disney California Adventure, DCA to to us locals is basically Pixar Land now, right? Basically Cars Land. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Um, they and I wonder about the lasting. 
I wonder about the lasting value of some of, of these cars? Pixar titles, whether or not they're going to be so meaningful in 10 years uh, that a Finding Nemo submarine ride is really going to... But that's the great thing about the Nemo ride. Have the re- resonance? Did fucking 40,000 Leagues, or whatever it is, 20,000 Leagues, it didn't have resonance for me as a kid, the Jules Verne novel. So yeah, it, it that's the great thing about Nemo and the park principle in general. When people flip out about them changing rides over for younger kid things... yeah. It, what's great is if the ride is interchangeable enough, like Nemo, yeah. you could put in whatever fucking submarine ride you want. Well, the funny thing is... Cars like, Land, they're fucked. Because? They built like a billion dollar mini land for one movie that's yeah. the least well-received of the Pixar films. Jeez, I don't know about that. I think kids are obsessed with cars, aren't they? But critically. Well, critically, but you know... That but, matters less and but less. But popular opinion too. Everyone hates cars. Do they? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's definitely the worst Pixar movie. Wow, that's interesting. What else would it be? I mean, Brave and Cars. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, but like that land. If if that movie is no longer relevant, they have an entire land dedicated to it. They've never yeah, done acres that. Acres and acres. They've never done that before. Where they've yeah. given up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they've changed out rides in the past, and they. Well, I mean, look, dude. I don't even know whether it's still down there or not. Because I'm not. I'm not. You know, one of these Disney Park guys. I just guys. re-upped my pass last week. Um, D23. But, you know, didn't you have a Bugs Life down there? You still do. Do you? Yeah. I'm Pixar. Does anybody watch or care about a Bugs Life? Little kids like it at the park. Yeah. Um, it's a good ride. I did it. The tree thing? It's effective. Yeah, no, I've never... The Tree of Life ride thing? The tree of Life was, is from what, Lion King? No, Bugs Life. It is? Yeah. Okay. That tree... Or is it from Avatar? Well, that, gets a little confusing well, with know, these Disney, giant wise trees. Disney's building an avatar park too. Yeah, which I don't get. In Florida. I don't get that. Yeah. The, I feel like because that movie's the highest grossing film of all time, they over, they overestimate its, its lasting reach on the I don't know anybody opinion. who cares about that movie. I don't know. And by the way, were it not for literally, were it not for conversations that I have every so often, about the fact that it's the highest grossing movie of all time that no one ever talks about or brings up in conversation. Were it not for those conversations, I would never have any conversations that, that ever mention Avatar ever. The, the only, only time I talk <laughs> Avatar box is, no, is to talk about how nobody talks about Avatar. The only reason it's in my mind is because last week I was having a conversation with my dad, and my dad's a really smart guy, but he has no memory and doesn't give a shit about pop culture whatsoever. Right, which is a good lesson for all of us. And that there are, saying, by the way, hundreds of millions of people who don't give two fucks. My dad couldn't name a single movie he saw in movie theaters <laughs> other than in the last five months. Yeah. Uh, literally. Yeah. I was like, name a single movie you've ever seen in movie theaters. He's yeah. like, I saw that one with Halle Berry. Yeah. And the girl in the car. I was like, The Call. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. That movie I loved. The virtual reality one. And I go, all right, let's go with it. Which one, Dad? He goes, you know, the guy and he's in a jungle and there's like that blue monkey girl and they're jumping around. And Avatar. It's, it's virtual reality. And I said, you mean Avatar? He goes, yeah, the virtual reality. All one. right. So my dad, my there's dad, one. my dad likes Avatar. Right, there's one. It bothered me, Jack. He grew up. So my dad was born in like 1955. Um, so he grew up in the 60s and 70s. By the way, Bill Condon was born in 1955. My dad could not name a single movie he saw. Your dad and Bill Condon are both 57 years old. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. My dad was okay. My dad's a little bit older actually. Then. Okay. My dad is 60, so 52. Okay. All right. Regardless, my dad could not name a single movie he saw in theaters. Dude, I just got back from St. Louis in the middle of the country. 
this is this is the world. I'm from New York, man. People don't. My dad's a savvy Plenty guy. of people don't give a fuck. I was like, you don't remember if you saw, because the conversation first came up when I was with my parents, and I was like, did you guys see, wait a minute, did you guys see Star Wars in theaters? You would have been like 18 years old. Of course they did. They don't remember if they did. They don't remember it, but of course they did. My dad doesn't know everyone saw Star Wars in theaters. Like my dad, my dad doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is or Clark Kent. Like my dad is so the opposite. What's he do for a living, or what did he do for a living? Salesman of of printing. It's hard to describe. Okay, but he has his own. Like he always has his own company, but there's no. And what does he enjoy in his life? Um, my dad likes to read. Okay. A lot. Favorite authors? But my dad does not know what he's... My dad doesn't care what you put in front of him. He'll read it. Right. He tends to lean towards the Clive Cussler type books. Sure. Uh, or International espionage. Or Richard Preston. Or like there's a temple in the middle of the world and there's an archaeologist there and there's Indiana a disease. Indiana Jones. That clones. That kind yeah. of shit. Indiana clones. My favorite quote my dad ever said a couple of years ago and I'll never forget. And this is pretty endemic of my dad i guess is the word um and he's from new york and he's from like the bronx but so he kind of curses a lot if that gives any kind of clarity on this and i was like hey dad what are you doing he was like oh, i was just reading a book and i said what book are you reading he's like i don't even know some stupid shit fuck book <laughs> and i said is it good he went yeah it's pretty good <laughs> like he just doesn't yeah. he doesn't remember the title of the yeah. book he's currently reading yeah it, it just all entertainment just washes they like um my mom is a voracious reader as well, but the same sort of thing. My mom does a thing where if she's reading a paperback, and this is, I almost don't want to admit this, uh, she doesn't want to be bothered to carry the entire book with her, so she rips it apart in chunks and thro- throws it. Bill Condon it. does the same thing with Vanity Fair magazine. Does he really? Yeah, because every time Vanity Fair page, shows up, it's the, it's a third the thickness of a ad, telephone directory. It's always directory. ads, too. 90%. It's all full of ads. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first 100 pages are ads. The only thing my parents have ever been passionate about in my life, and it did have an influence, because I talk about this all the time, they're not really into music, uh, they're certainly not into movies or... Right. Comics a little bit. My mom got me into as a kid. Harvey Comics and Archie. Sure, sure. Those were the, that was her thing. Uh, but it was uh, comedy and specifically uh, like Seinfeld and Cheers, mostly Seinfeld, right. because it was the only thing I ever saw my parents really care about. Right. So there was always an emphasis placed on being funny in my household. So right. that's that's the only thing they were they were bored to death. They really liked. Okay. They weirdly connect with certain like comedy shows, but that's it. That's the only interesting. Other than that, my mom watches like Real Housewives and Bravo, and my dad just watches. Sports. I'll tell you what, dude. It's um, not to drag Twilight into this again, but having just been in St. Louis and before that, you know, obviously we we did Comic Con, and before that, Eric and I were in Chicago. Um, when you are out, it's like I don't do it enough. I don't get out of the Los Angeles bubble enough, even though. I will drive out to La Cañada for dinner. I will drive an hour up up the 15 to Victorville to get Freddy's Steak Burger and frozen custard You're and crazy. go to the mall at Victor Valley You're crazy. and go to the giant Barnes & Noble there. I don't even Just know where to, you got to get out of the fucking is. you got to get out of the dome, dude. I'm but here's to, the I'm thing. I'm going to Japan for 2 weeks, man. I'm getting out of the dome. Oh wow. In October. Uh, All right, well let's just come back to that. Well, that here's yeah. the thing. You know, when I'm not so, so busy that I can keep up with social media, I can sort of be on top of my Facebook news feed, I can stay on top of my Twitter feed or whatever you call it, TL. Twitter feed works. Twitter feed. Okay. Timeline. 
the thing is, all of these announcements, it's just a juggernaut. It never stops. Speaking of printing, it's a print, it's a giant printing press that runs 24-7, 365. It never stops. Comingsoon.net is the great example of an online where literally it's like 50 new stills from Elysium, two new posters from Captain Phillips, three new images from Vampire I, Academy. I get the press it never I get the press stops. release sent to my email because I do the online journalism stuff and it sometimes it's insane. And there's stuff that people care more about and there's definitely stuff that people care less about that people are less reactive to. You just see it. Well, you see it in your feeds. And here's the thing. As as a guy who or you know, articulated to myself at some age, you know, I think like somewhere between 16 and 20, that what I really wanted to be was a movie director. I wanted to be Steven Spielberg, right? Um, and then you get older and your values change and all that stuff. All of it now is so disposable. It fucking comes and goes, dude. Isn't it a bummer? And no one... I do think, generally speaking, most of it isn't as good as a lot of stuff from the 80s. I think the quality levels now, and I, I, and I don't or think even nineties at this point. It's not me getting up, older. I grew up in the nineties. It's the congl- it's conglomerates buying movie studios and running them like businesses. So now, you know, movies are referred to as product, and they're developed and engineered as products. So I think there's a reason that a lot of these movies are are the quality is not as high, and I think it does have to do with who the owners are now, and who's paying for them, and the influence that they're exerting over the product that they do pay pay to create. But the thing, so what is the new thing? The new thing for me is I could give two fucks about being a movie director, honestly. And look, I love what Bill does. I love what he does. Um, But what appeals to me now are areas in the pop culture universe where you see people caring deeply in their lives about a work of fiction, whether that is Anastasia and Christian Grey and Fifty Shades of Grey or Edward and Bella. Um, I The metric for me now is who cares deeply in large numbers, and that's what really... That's what galvanizes me. And you just see, I just, I mean, I just don't know a lot of people in my life who care about these Star these last two Star Trek movies. Do you really care? Even if you really, really enjoyed it. I didn't even see the second one. (laughs) Do you really care? Does it really resonate in your day-to-day life? Do you want to take to social media to do nothing but talk about your obsessions with these fictitious characters and stories? There aren't, again, Avatar, for me, the two ends of the spectrum are Twihards, the hardcore Twihards, who even now that, you know, we're coming up on a year since the, the final movie was released, are still taking to their social media to talk about Edward and Bella and Forks and the Vulturi and the Wolfpack. That's one end of the spectrum that I find very appealing. And even the specifics of it, as much as I, I totally am on the inside of and enjoy the specifics, it's still the glow and the warmth that you get from all that passion is at the, is at one end of the spectrum and all the way down at the other end of the spectrum is the highest grossing film of all time in unadjusted dollars and dollars that are unadjusted for inflation is Avatar and no one a fuck. speaks for it. 
and I don't, I don't see it in any of my feeds. No one wants to obsess over it. Nobody's talking about what's the lead character's name, like Jake Scully. I don't even, or like the, the technology, nobody talks about it. There's no, in the sweet spot for me is Battlestar. How about this? I've never seen an Avatar cosplayer outside of the year Avatar was. There you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also this dude. It's, I could name on my hand, on one hand, the number of films in the last five years that really excited me. That you, that you also, that having can, watched them, took to obsession levels I mean, where you watched yes. it over and over well, and over and that. over again. Okay, Pacific Rim. As soon as I saw the movie, I didn't go home first. I went immediately to Meltdown Comics. And you bought all those toys that I saw on your Facebook Scott page. Scott Pilgrim. I went, I didn't go home first. I went to the comic book store and bought every volume. Right. Attack the Block. I couldn't get any toys, but I, I went online and, and read everything. About I actually it. tried to get one of the alien the suits. Did you really? Uh, there are plushies. They, they, there are Etsy plushies. Of the aliens that are really fucking good, actually. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I want one. Um, you tried to get the. I tried to get suit. one of the actual alien suits with the glow in the dark, yeah. translucent blue, uh, teeth, and they're all whoever the production company was, just held on to all of them. I'm sure they did. Yeah, none of them got out. Um, but that's what I mean. The amount of films that genuinely excite me and and go, yeah, that's the reason I moved out here. That's the reason I want to be uh, yeah. be involved in film. It's fewer and far between every year. Yeah. And again, is it you getting older or is it the quality of most yeah, of what's quality. getting greenlit quality. sliding off? It's because I still watch fucking kid movies. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not me becoming like a jaded cynic older, older person. Yeah. Um, and no, I, dude, you are a total man child. I mean, look at your obsession. Look at your yeah, enthusiasm no, all the for stuff I Pac love. Rem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. And Pac-Rim's not even a perfect film, but it just did something. It it excited me to be seeing. A it movie activated and you. It made me happy. Yeah, it pushed some. It pushed a button deep inside. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. It, so and it never. That's the only film this year I could I could even name liking. Wow. In, from the top of my head. Wow. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Been, it's been the worst year of movies in my opinion ever. Well, it, it, every year is progressively worse. Well, you ju- you just find everybody saying it all the time, and even again like um. People I know who are sort of like OG Ain't It Coolers, who are sort of in the Ain't It Cool, you know, maybe they wrote for the site in its early years, or they're just sort of in the permanent class of folks um, who are always hanging out with contributors to the site and stuff. When I'm at a wedding for one of them a few months ago, and literally, like, as we're all standing around holding lasagna cupcakes in our hands. <laughs> lasagna cupcakes. They're pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, and they're bitching about comic book and superhero movies and the fact that it's just too much now. And that even now, as we look, look ahead to the coming fall season of, you know, arts and culture, and we're a few weeks away from the New York Times and LA Times, both doing their fall sneak sections, you know, looking at everything that's new and movies and TV and music and theater. It's still, it's like, what are we looking at in October? We're looking at a Thor movie. Is it October? It's a fucking summer movie that Marvel now, the Marvel plan is like, we're just going to drop one in every quarter. But it's like, again, that summer event movie business, comic book superhero, you know, boy porn, if you will, is a year round business now. So if you think you're going to get some relief from that, if you're feeling burned out from that, and these ain't a coolers are these hardcore the core odd, the core demo for those titles is already starting to like gripe about fatigue. 
And, and you don't even get a respite in the fall season from this kind of stuff? Look, I'm, I'm the biggest fucking comic book nerd in the world and, and I've loved superheroes my entire life. In one year, I have not seen a Superman movie, an Iron Man movie. You did not go to Iron Man 3. I did not go to Man of you Steel. You didn't go to Man of Steel. I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. Wow. I, I, like, when it all and why started, is that? It all started when I didn't buy Spider-Man 3 on DVD. I remember specifically when Spider-Man, and I also realized, this is not a conversation for the next podcast, I haven't bought a fucking Blu-ray in like six months. Wow. I think physical media is dead. And I'm sad wow. to admit it, but like, it's, it's true. Wow. Why would, you know what I mean? Well, have you bought movies online? No, not really. I just don't buy movies anymore. There's so what too do you much do? entertainment. I have Netflix and, and anime, like, everything is everywhere always. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I pirate too. Like, I've talked about that yeah. before. Like, every movie of all time is online right now. Yeah. So it's overwhelming. So why would I go to Best Buy and buy, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless I really love, 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 love the film. Um, I, yeah, I saw you want to own a box or something. And I don't, I don't anymore. Yeah. Like, that used to be my goal in life. My, yeah. Growing up, um, before I, uh, my standard DVDs, before I even left my parents' house at like 18, I had like 3,500 DVDs wow. in, in the boxes. So my entire wall was floor yeah. to ceiling. And then when I left, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with all these? So I moved them to binders. And since then, right. I just don't give a shit. Right. Um, it, it's just. And how old are you? 28. Yep. 29 in two months. Yeah. Um, when Spider-Man 3 came out on Blu-ray, I was like, I'm not going to buy this movie. I even bought the X-Men The Last Stand. Cause I okay. was like, fuck it, it's an X-Men movie. I don't yeah. care that I hate it. Yeah. When, when, uh, the day I realized there was a Spider-Man film that I don't want to own, I was like, it's already too much already. Superhero fatigue. I had, I, it was already like, I haven't seen Green Lantern still. Well, why would you? Um, I, like, I, I doubt I'll see Man of Steel. I didn't see Dark Knight Rises till it came out on DVD. Yeah. I saw, as you know, I think also from previous discussions, it's like, I didn't see, I didn't see the Dark Knight in theaters, and I only, I marathoned, I went back and watched Batman oh, Begins right. the forgot, second time, yeah. and then I watched the second one for my first time, right before going to see the third one in theaters. I think that's how it went, and I have to say, it's interesting, dude. You know, I certainly respect Chris Nolan as a storyteller, as a crayon in the box, but it's not my crayon. I'll never watch in the Dark Knight trilogy again. You have to hook never. Me. I was telling my dad was like, "What's a good movie? I mean, your mom should go see." And I was like, "Go see the new Woody Allen movie, Blue uh, Jasmine." Yeah, I was like, yeah. "I don't know. They'll like it." I looked at what else yeah. was playing. Yeah, and he was like, "You should go see it too." And I was like, "For me to go see a movie in theaters, it a has to be like two hundred million dollar budgeted. It, it has to merit me going to a theater and paying that much money to see it on a big screen." So the right. next movie I've I have two movies on my radar that I have plans of seeing in theaters. Which are? The New the Edgar Wright. The Fifth Estate. Yeah. yeah, right. It actually looks really fucking good, but it's a drama. Like, it, yeah. it, you know what I mean? I would yep. rather watch that at home. Yep. I would, it would, it does me, it, it suits me more as a viewer to be able to control that experience. Now. Right. I also fall asleep in movie theaters if it's past like eight o'clock at night. Right. I'm an old man. I'll see the Edgar Wright movie because I've seen every other Edgar World's Wright movie in theaters and I'm excited for it. I don't want to wait. Yeah, and there's a, some Cornetto trilogy thing that's happening that's a week from tonight. At New Bev, yeah, yeah. And our, I think next week's guest, Taylor White, is will be podcasting here with us right around this time on Thursday and then going off to that that oh, night. Nice. Yeah. Um, Are you a, going to that? I'm not, but I'm going to the, there's an art show at, uh, Gallery 1988. That's going to be awesome. When, when's opening night for that? I forget the exact night, but it's I, either this it's, week or early next. I think it's next week. Yeah. Um, and I want to see gravity in theaters because I think right. that would work in theaters. Right. Well, and I think if you're going to go see gravity, given what it is, 
that's an IMAX experience because it's basically an IMAX movie with a narrative totally. anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like an old, yeah, and it's like photo an, real. An old IMAX movie, like the original yeah. ones in the museums yeah. and shit. Like, yeah, Journey it's like to an, Everest. A museum of Science and Technology yeah, movie. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than, like, Captain America, why I'm, while I'm sure I will see it eventually. I never saw it. I have no interest in seeing the sequel in theaters. Same with yeah. Thor, really, especially that it's all on Asgard. Like, I'm also burnt out on Lord of the Rings shit now. Yeah. So I don't need to the see. The Hobbit burns you out. Yeah. So I don't need to see The Hobbit with Chris Hemsworth, which is what Thor 2 looks like it might be. Interest. That's an interesting take. It's, it's all on Asgard. Yeah. So it's a fantasy film. It's right. A giant fantasy film. And, right. And I'm, I'm burnt out on wizards and dwarves and shit right now. Right. Right. Cause um, there's again, and once they make their first code. billion dollars, dude, everybody it, chases the tail, dude. Uh, everybody, let's, how can we do wizards and dwarves? Here's, but here's where it all goes to shit and where I, I ruin my, everything I've said today. I will buy the Hobbit extended edition on Blu-ray when it comes out. Because? Because I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. And you're a completionist in that regard. You feel like you have to own it. Yes. I don't like the movie, but, and I don't like the movie, but nine hours of special features makes me excited for some reason. And you'll sit there and watch nine hours of special features? I really like Lord of the Rings, man. Clearly. I just don't like the movie that resulted from it. But let me ask you this. So then when The Hobbit, the the, the desolation of smog, Opens in theaters in December. No. You will go or you will not go. I will not go. But you'll buy The Hobbit Extended Edition. Yes. Only because it is, it is, it's, it's an extended edition. So when they come out predictably with the extended edition for the desolation of smog, that's how you're first going to experience that tale? Probably. Is on home video? I want to have all of the extended, Tolkien Jackson extended editions. I want to be able to do that. You know the marathon. I mean? Yes, I want to be able to do the extended marathon if I'm ever crazy enough. Which would which would be Hobbit one two three into Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, you would do it in that order. Yeah, of course. And do you do that with Star Wars? Uh, no, fuck Star Wars. One through six. No, I've never done that. No, there's no carryover. Right. From three to four, there's nothing. It's not. Well, at the end of three, you see Tarkin and Vader staring sure. at the construction of the Death Star. Sure, and then it's all new characters. Well, no, you see those little babies. And Obi Wan, I guess. Get so. stashed. I don't know. I just, I've never. You know what? I've only seen Revenge of the Sith once, and I'll never see it again. That's interesting, really. Yeah, it was one of the most like unhappy experiences of my life. Wow. Because I even with some of those unhappy experiences, though, aren't you tempted to go back and revisit them? Not for that. Uh, never. Keep in mind, I was a huge Star Wars fan, and I was also like. 13 through 17 when the prequel trilogy. When the no. When Phantom and Clones came out. Okay. And I was still young enough to like them. Right. I liked them in theaters. I was a, I saw Attack of the Clones four times in theaters. Wow. I loved it. It's still my favorite of the prequels. Wow. Um, and then when I was, I was 20 when Sith came out, I was already like living on my own and angry at the world. Right. And I saw it at a small theater in Vermont and I was now an adult with opinions on movies and it was the most fucking, Virul- virulent reaction I've ever had to wow. a movie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, I was super upset with it. The funny thing for me as a Star Wars fanboy uh, from 1977 when I was 10 years old and saw A New Hope is um, I can still look at certain materials around the prequel trilogy. Like I can look at photos of Hayden as Anakin Skywalker and then I can from there sort of start to spin and weave how I would like him to sound. <laughs> An act. Well, that was the first, that was honestly the first time when it was all said and done, it was the first time I realized I didn't need something. 
Yeah. And that, and that was a, that was an important lesson. And I felt, and I still feel that way sometimes where just more of something doesn't equal, doesn't mean I, do you know what I mean? But what I would say to you, just wrapping this up yeah. is again, whether it's, whether it's, whether you have those moments to yourself. I that, own but, Sith on Blu-ray, I just realized, but I've, I've only never watched, watched, I've never, watched, never watched, it. watched it. I've never watched it. Whether it's Star Wars or the Marvel movies or Twilight or Avatar or Cloud Atlas, Tron Legacy, Prometheus, um, the interesting thing, always in people's lives, there are moments, and I think a lot of people probably don't even articulate these moments to themselves or don't articulate them to themselves that well, there are moments when you start to realize that you're out of step with popular culture and that you're getting older. And as a result of getting older, you're sort of separating from the mainstream of what everybody's eating in the trough that weekend. The other thing is, to quote that Smith song, ask, it's hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ, because the music that they constantly play says nothing to me about my life. And the interesting thing is, again, whatever your sports team is, whatever your franchise is, like if it if it doesn't say anything to you about your life or it doesn't move you in some way, you get off the fucking bus, dude. And no matter how many breaks from ComingSoon.net or any of the other sort of online fanboy gossip, you know, gossip engines, I I can't get back on the bus. It says nothing to me about my life. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Anyway, that's a wrap like on this it. episode. On Twitter, he's at Cameltoad, C-A-M-E-L-T-O-A-D. I'm at Jack underscore Morrissey with uh, two R's and two S's, spelled exactly the same way as the lead singer of the Smiths. Also at Team underscore Jack. Team Jack on Facebook. Uh, you can like us. We're also on Pinterest and Tumblr. And if you go to TeamJack.com, you will see the bang up. Illustrated episode guides done by Kathleen Burns Vorndam, who is just arriving into town as I speak and taking up residence at the at the uh, Lowe's Hotel down the hill from me. Uh, also, Tracy Olson and Sasha Bodily contribute to those illustrated episode guides. Uh, this episode, I, we will not be contributing a single photograph of Matt Cohen or myself to that episode guide. So, Kathleen, you're on your own for this one. Draw it. And um do we have a title for this? Draw it. Draw it? No. Uh what should our title be? Um I liked I like that turn of phrase, Indiana clone. Indiana clones. I like Indiana clones. Indiana clones. Okay. And the what? Indiana clones and the It's your podcast, man. Go for it. Yeah, I know. Indiana, but Indiana Jones and the don't make it that difficult on yourself. It's um Indiana Jones and the Temple of Adulthood. Okay. All right. Out.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.